Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Oh, mama, I'm in fear for my life from the long arm of the Lord. Got miles to go before we sleep. Lawman is putting into my running and I'm so far from my We will not go gently. We're going to unleash hell here in December. Oh, mama, I can hear you crying. You're so scared and all alone. Hey, somebody fix this guy's buckle. I don't to play football. coming down from the gallows and I don't have very long. Welcome back to another edition of The Standard is the Standard. I'm Jeff Hartman, behind the steel curtain, Doc on editor, and with me, as always, my loyal co-host, Lance Williams, Color Rush, as we call him. How's it going tonight, Color Rush? CR's in the house. I'm in the house. <laughs> I was beaten, battered, bashed, batter crashed, but I'm back. And I'm not jumping off yeah. the bandwagon by any means. I'm here. C.R. Williams, 
color rush. Holla at you, boy. Well, I, I'm glad you're here because I'll tell you what, the first question that I have for you is not about breakdowns. Man, this loss that the Steelers experienced on, on week three against the Eagles, man, that is still pissing me off. I'm sorry. Maybe it's because there's Eagle fans around where I live. Maybe it's because it, just how they were horrible, man. I mean, is that game still sticking with you, or have you moved on? I've moved on, but they got Wentz. Right now, it's Pennsylvania. All the Wentzers <sighs> in the state of Pennsylvania are beating their chest. They got slapped. I mean, they, they got Molly Wop. I mean, take it to the woodshed. Whatever cliche you want to bring up, that happened and then some. But when I watch oh, yeah. All-22, all is not lost. A, a lot of this stuff can be corrected. Um, and uh, they're going to get an injection of the juice, man, on Sunday, which is definitely going to be a help. Absolutely. And we're going to get into all of that as we talk about I'm going to recap the game last week, although I really don't want to. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about changes that could or could be made to possibly help assist the team moving forward. And, of course, we're going to give you the full breakdown of the upcoming game against the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday Night Football in week four at Heinz Field. They come back home. All right, let's talk about last week's game, Lance. I'm going to let you go first because, like I just said, the game still pisses me off. I could not believe that the team came out that way finish that way, it just pisses me off. So you go ahead. Uh, if you want to give out game balls and stuff, go ahead. I'm not going to give out any. But if you want to talk about positives, minuses, whatever, you go ahead. Can I give my Jim Moore impression? Game balls? Game balls? <laughs> you, you're talking about game balls? It was 34 to 3. Game balls? Game balls? No, maybe that's 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 kind of Jim Bora with the slash of Allen Iverson practice. You're talking about practice? Yeah. I was trying to I was trying to combine those two. I don't know which performance was worse on the offensive side of football or the defensive side of football. Uh, I don't know who was worse, Marcus Wheaton or David DeCastro, because they both played terrible games play this year. I think David DeCastro gave up maybe six pressures and a couple of sacks and Fletcher Cox just treated him like a stepson. But but I'm gonna I'm gonna concentrate on the defensive side of football. And last week I'm gonna try to do this each week. I'm gonna try to give you what my keys were from last week and kind of grade the Steelers from that perspective. One of the things I said last week that number one was if you want to be the king of PA you have to take the run away. They did a good job in the run game, taking the run game away in the first half. Second half, again, Molly Wop taken to the woodshed. You had guards pulling to open space, hitting no one, and guys running into the end zone. I'm not going to use injuries as an excuse because they don't. A lot of guys went down, but the guys that they put in have a jersey and as Tomlin says, if you get a jersey, we expect you to make it the standard, which is the name of this show. They did not do that. Smallwood and Barner combined for 25 carries for 121 yards for two touchdowns. 
at 4.84 yards per carry, and they controlled the second half of the game and dominated. To it, Hayward, those guys just got whooped. They got absolutely whooped. They got outflanked, increased repeatedly in the second half. It was absolutely embarrassing. And this is from a unit that played for run very solid in the first two games. So in terms of the first key of if you want to be the king of PA, you've got to take the runaway, they failed woefully in that regard. Another thing I said in the game was they had to tackle the catch. Because of the nature of this offense, and I'm going to give you some some numbers to illustrate it, that it's a short passing offense, West Coast-style football, West Coast offense. Too many broken tackles. Burns, Davis, Shazier, bad tackles. And, in fact, if you go back and look at the game, Ryan Shazier got hurt from missing a tackle trying to wrap a guy up with his arms showing bad technique and bad pursuit angles. And not only was the tackling just bad from a technique perspective, if you listen to Tomlin's press conference from Tuesday, the angles, the angles of pursuit are just woeful. And, and bad tackling, even when in, in the first two games, problems then, and it's been a problem since preseason, they've got to get the tackling corrected because right now they're a coverage team meaning they get no pressure, and they're trying to tackle the catch and tackle things in front of them. And right now, they're just not tackling well enough for the type of defense that it looks like they have to play. And I want to give props to longtime friend of the program, Gail Lolly, outstanding writer for the Pittsburgh Steelers, who covered the Steelers for years. He had some great stats about the woeful nature of the tackling. Carson Wentz completed 23 of 31 passes. 19 of those completions were within five yards of the line of scrimmage. Of those 19, 10 went for 23 yards. They did a good job there with tackling the catch. But the other nine went for 132 yards. Listeners, he threw for 300, I believe 301 to be exact. That's a result of broken tackles. So they've got to tackle the catch much pressure. In terms of getting pressure with the blitz, they failed in the regard of tackling the catch. And they failed woefully in terms of getting pressure. I thought they might have to get pressure with the blitz. I wasn't confident that they were going to get any pressure, and they did. Zero sacks in the game. Only three quarterback hits and 31 pass plays. Currently, they're on pace to get five Point three sacks this season. Let me say that again, listeners, 5.3. So when Jeff asked me last week on the show to give my number to rate how bad I thought it was or how much of an emergency it was for the Steelers to get pressure, and I said, oh, it's a 10 out of 10 problem, and it's a 10 out of 10 problem. If you look at more numbers, they are averaging .3 sacks per game. I know it's only game three, but Sean Ray had three sacks in the game against the Bengals for the Denver Broncos on Sunday. And, in fact, if you combine the sacks and quarterback hits, they've only hit the quarterback eight 
time this year. The only time it's been that bad, they got one sack in three games back in 1997. So for all of my defensive keys in the game, they failed. And to top it all off, they were sloppy with multiple 15-yard penalties that extended drives that got them in the bad shape. So it was a very bad defensive performance, but tackling can be corrected. The problem of pressure is a little bit more of a Rubik's Cube. Yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, that there's it was very blatant how poor the defense played, but the offense played equally as bad. Uh, you mentioned David DeCastro, um, even Marquise Pouncey at times, just getting manhandled. And it wasn't like the defensive front of Philadelphia was really that much greater than the team they played the previous week in the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, Fletcher Cox is, is, a, is a man. We get that. But other than that, I mean, it, it didn't. It, I guess here's what surprised me the most. It almost seemed as if, and this is just from a layman's perspective, watching television wasn't there, had no inside information on this. It almost seemed like the Steelers were kind of buying into the hype surrounding them. It seemed like we're going against a rookie quarterback. Steelers traditionally have a good record against rookie quarterbacks. They're favored on the road. Um, everyone's talking about them being one of the class of the AFC, possibly the NFL. And it looks like they went into a buzzsaw and got absolutely smacked down. And I guess what really frustrated me was not that they, they came out flat. And, yeah, Marcus Leedens drop and the block field goal, it, it's still a 60-minute football game. I'm not buying into that technically. But also it just seemed like they didn't respond. A 10-point deficit at one point felt like 100 points because the team could do nothing. Roethlisberger continues to look rattled, in my opinion, if he gets hit early, think back to Cincinnati. They hit him early. They didn't necessarily sack him, but they had quarterback hits. He all of a sudden started getting happy feet in the pocket, didn't look as comfortable as he normally does. And maybe that's just his age. But I, I think he can still make all the throws. I'm not saying, suggesting that that is a, a dire situation for him. But the Steelers' offense was just as much to blame, if not more. They put up three points. Lance is the team that is saying they want to score 30 points a game, average 30 points. They scored three, three points. And I don't want to hear, you know, the Wheaton drop and this, that, and the other, blah, 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 whatever. Pathetic. Plain and simple, pathetic. It wasn't good at all. And I do think, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later, that when you talk about fixes, Okay, uh, Le'Veon Bell coming back could fix a lot of things on offense for the Steelers going into week four in a lot of different ways because he's that dynamic. But I want to take the time now. Okay, we talked about the Eagles game. It was pretty bad. There's really no good that came out of it. The winners and losers column that I write every week essentially said the winners were all the Eagles coaches and players and all the losers were all the Steelers coaches and players. <laughs> And that was pretty much it. I mean, it's, that's it. I mean, come on. I mean, can, I could not think of one player, none. People said, well, Jordan Berry. I'm sorry. I'm not going to put a punter as a winner. And he did. He, he had a great game the week before that. He's had a great season so far. But it's it just, no, I'm not doing it. He, he, I'll, I'll say he was the holder on, on the, uh, the block field goal. I mean, it's 
still makes me angry. There's a time and a place for black and white, like when you're learning to play piano, or when you want a big two-toned cookie, or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white, so go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing, from banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 18 Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with MyBookie. MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. Let's talk about the defense a little bit, Lance. The defense is going to have, well, let's just say the deck is going to be stacked against them in a lot of different ways this week. Um, injuries abound all throughout. Now, if you didn't see the injury report from today, let me break it down for you. Shazier, Golden, um, I'm trying to think of other starters on the defense that did not practice. Um, I think that's better. Sean Davis did not practice. Those three did not practice. Uh, so that that all of a sudden, yeah, you have some situations where, well, what are they going to do? Uh, how are they going to make this work? Uh, surprisingly, Robert Golden's absence is very significant now because when you look at it with Golden not in, okay, so what are they going to do? Whoa, how are they going to plug these pieces? Because now you would say, okay, we're going to take Sean Davis and move him to safety, and then we'll probably take William Gay into the slot Artie Burns coming off the bench as the third cornerback. Well, now all of a sudden, Sean Davis is hurt. He hurt his back early in the game in week three, and now they're not sure if he's going to get a play in week four. And so you're saying, okay, well, now what do we do? Well, I'm sitting here telling some of the writers that are behind the steel curtain saying, I think it's going to be Shamarco Thomas. No, you know who is the uh, who was practicing with the ones today? Jordan Dangerfield, which I, I sat there and literally scratched my head and said, Shamarco Thomas might be the worst football player on the team. I mean, he might be the worst football player on the team because how in the world you have this golden opportunity where the first two safeties in front of you are not going to be playing likely. Well, we know that Robert Golden is probably not. It doesn't look like Sean Davis is going to, if he is going to, how healthy is he going to be? Their secondary is going to be a, a, a mixed bag of goods, not to mention Justin Gilbert was told, He's going to probably see the field in certain sub-packages this week uh, for the first time as a Pittsburgh Steeler. I want to know what your take is on the secondary. How are they going to deal with these injuries? If you were piecing together this puzzle, that's almost what it seems like, well, how would you piece the puzzle together with Golden and Davis not playing? Well, it looks like they're not going to be able to play dime because their dime is, is, you know, they put three safeties on the field. They'll put Davis, Mitchell, and Golden on the field with Cockrell 
uh, Burns and William Gay. So it looks like they're not going to be able to play time. And, and maybe Shamarco is not playing because of a loss on special teams. Maybe it's maybe it's his value on special teams, and maybe they think if he doesn't play special, going to eliminate their ability to play time. I, I think they're going to be based in a nickel team uh, on, on Sunday because I just don't think they have the three safeties to do it. You know, I don't think, you know, because with Davis and Golden down, I mean, I mean, the, the the question is, you know, Dangerfield, I guess, is going to be the starter, you know, at the free safety position. So, you know, there isn't another safety that they're going to play, you know, in dime. So they're going to play nickel. And so probably what they're going to do, because Davis is out and he's a slot corner, I, I suspect they'll put Burns on the outside with Cockwell and put uh, William Gay in at the slot position, um, which means that, you know, you know, it may they may be able to get away with it in this game, given the Chiefs, because the Chiefs aren't going to really try to attack them vertically, given that, you know, it's another West Coast offense and the ball doesn't travel far in the air when they attempt passes. You know, it may be a bigger loss to, you know, Shazier, you know, going up against a Kelsey and Kelsey running drags and running the seams and Kelsey, uh, you know, someone to compete with the, his athletic gifts and his nature and how good of a mover and runner he is. So in this particular game, they might be able to get away with it. Um, and Shazier may be more of a loss. Yeah, and we're going to get to that. But I, the, I, I was sold on what you're saying. And then all of a sudden reports came out today, and Justin Gilbert said this himself. Coach told me I've been working my butt off that I'm going to see the field on Sunday outside of special teams. They've got some packages for me. Well, then I'm thinking, well, what package are they putting in that's going to have another cornerback in on the field, or is he just going to replace Hardy Burns? It's going to be interesting to watch. I'll just leave it at that. Unfortunately, it's not the good type of interesting. It's the, holy crap, what's this going to look like interesting against a team that is considered one of the better AFC teams or at least a contender in the AFC is their playoff team last year that they should be vying for the AFC West uh, once they start playing Denver and things like that. It's going to be interesting. Now, I think the topic that everybody's talking about, and rightfully so, we talked about it last week, and it was about the pressure. And I asked you, and, and I think it was on our Steelers hangover show after the week one win against Washington our buddy Melvin from down in Dallas, he called in and said, you know, I'm concerned about the pressure. And I said, well, hey, you don't get pressures and you win a game. Are you going to complain about that? And he said, no, absolutely not. And so we thought maybe this was going to be like a, a changing of the guard and philosophy and schemes. But as it turns out, like I, I agree with you now, Lance. And last, last week you said it is a 10 in terms of concern level, 10 being the most concerned, one being the least. This is a 10, my friend, because all of a sudden, Carson Wentz, I mean, he's a very capable quarterback, and the stats that you showed that you talked about earlier, really more credit goes to the people catching the football than maybe him throwing the ball, but he made some big boy throws, and he steps up in the pocket. He was fearless because there was nothing to fear. Now, everyone can say what we just said. Everyone can say that it's bad and it needs help and it needs changing. I think it takes a different type of person to be able to think of a solution. Now, we talked about this off the air a little bit, 
if you were to six, you're, you're Keith Butler, you're sitting there and you're like, holy crap, we have one sack that's barely a sack, mind you, because Andy Dalton didn't get back to the line of scrimmage. We have one sack, we can't even hurry the quarterback or hit the quarterback. What are you doing? What changes are you making? And obviously, this is your team, but I, I always go back to the fact that I, I, I sat there and, and thought about this today while I was at work. This is basically the same roster that had 48 sacks last year. So what are you doing, Lance? How are you fixing this? Well, I, I think they've been pretty passive to this point because of integration of young pieces in the secondary, namely Sean Davis and namely Burns. So that's why I think they haven't been as aggressive. But let me just say this is a caveat. Whatever adjustments they make, you may not see them in this game come to fruition because of the style of offense of the Kansas City Chiefs. The ball is designed for the ball to come out quickly and to really get yards after the catch. So you may not see it. Um, one thing, if I were them, I would eliminate a majority of the three-man pressures because they have no hope for getting there with three-man pressures, Right. So, so anytime you're rushing three, essentially you're just declaring to the offense that this is a coverage and coverage here. Now, now you're going to have to do that depending on what they do. If they go four wide, five wide, you know, you, you may have to play coverage in those situations. Uh, however, a lot of the times they're bringing four, almost exclusively in nickel and in dime. I think they're going to have to commit to bringing more five-man pressures. Now, the problem with that is, you know, that's basically considered a blitz, so you have to be concerned on the back end. And in this game, with the injuries of, you know, no golden, possibly, and, you know, you might have Jordan Dangerfield as a safety, you know, and no Davis as well. So you may leave yourself vulnerable in some regard there. But but they're going to have to increase the amount of five-man pressures. The problem with that is, do they have four down linemen good enough to do that with the standing outside linebacker? So I think we all know that the linebacker we would like to rush a majority of the time is James Harrison. But that's going to be another thing that I think they're going to have to do they're going to have to increase his snaps and his times that he rushes the quarterback in both four- and five-man pressures. So, Jeff, we obviously know two of the down linemen, if they put four on the front with a fifth to make it a five-man front with a standing linebacker, that two and Hayward are those guys. Who are the other two guys? Well, I mean, that's, that's, that's the question. Who are I mean, the other two to, to guys be honest with you, you put to be honest with you, well, well, tell me if I'm crazy because you know more about the defensive schematics than I do. In my opinion, the easy answer for the Steelers, even in this week, is to go revert more back to their base 3-4 defense that's going to give you those outside rushers and the three-down linemen, in which case you would have, in my opinion, if you're looking to get pressure on the quarterback, you'd have two at – I'd put Javon Hargrave in there and give the rookie a chance to do what he does best, and that's interior pass rush. 
and then Cam Hayward. Now, we obviously have James Harrison on the outside. We talked about him. The best of the rest, in my opinion, is Arthur Rose, and that's not saying that he's great and going to be a difference maker. Um, it's not that Anthony Trakilla is not really impressing. Jarvis Jones is Jarvis Jones. He's, he's just not going to get the job done. That's who I would throw out there. But is the going to the 3-4, like I suggested, is that probably the simplest conclusion that you made I mean, that's considering probably, the injuries? I mean, that, I mean, that probably is the simplest. It will get you It will get you five pass rushes. A lot of times, though, in that situation, they will drop and buzz a linebacker, especially in this game where Kansas City is going to attack the flat and they're going to attack the Steelers laterally at the boundaries. So in a lot of instances in this game, you still may only get four rushers because they're going to buzz a backer to take away that flat and that hook area. Uh, But theoretically, you know, you'll get five pass rushers. I mean, the the nose tackle, Hargrave is going to get eliminated because he's going to get double teamed more than likely. Or, you know, just that, all those people in that area, in that tight space, that he's just going to be a pocket pusher. They may have to play more base, but I think they're going to have to turn it loose. They're going to have to blitz more. They're going to probably going to have to bring some secondary guys, multiple linebackers, and involve Shazier or any of the inside backers more in blitzes. I mean, you're going to have to see Timmons blitz more, Shazier blitz more. You know, they're going to have to be active in terms of getting pressure, and they're just going to have to bring more people and multiple people from different positions and different levels of the defense. I expect to see some cat blitzes possibly. Will Gay blitzing out of the slot. You're going to see them blitz Timmons more. Um, you know, they're going to have to throw everything at it because right now, you know, right now rushing four, rushing three, they're not getting home. And the one sack was because of Andy Dalton fell and most essentially they have zero sacks in three games. Yeah, it's it's a troubling troubling statistics and you watch the games now, it becomes very evident that the pressure's not there. But the thing that I keep telling myself is what I said when I led into this segment is this unit is capable. This is basically the same roster that had forty eight sacks last year. Did they have a bad secondary? Yeah. Is the secondary possibly going to be bad, too, again this year if they start selling out and blitzing more? There's a good chance. But at the same time, it's kind of a pick your poison. Either you sit back and let them dink and dunk their way, especially if you can't tackle, or you try to put pressure on the quarterback. In my opinion, the one thing that they did last year, which was a direct correlation of pressures on the quarterback, was they caused turnovers. They caused Aaron throws. They caused early throws. And so if you have a poor secondary, at least give them a chance to maybe make a play or two on an interception. It's troubling. It's very troubling. I don't think it's panic button time. I think that the defense, it was like this last year. You kind of have to iron out the wrinkles. You've got to have to see who does what best. Where might you put someone like Anthony Chiquillo to make him, uh, to maximize his potential? so to speak, uh, on the football field. Um, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. But I just keep going back to I want to see Javon Hargrave on the field. And he, like you said, even if he takes up a double team, if he's taking up two, 
and then all of a sudden Cam Hayward or Stefan Tuitt, they're taken up too. That should leave a one-on-one matchup, which is something that if you watch the game back, I mean, they've struggled in his one-on-one matchups. The only guy that's been winning them is James Harrison. He's the only player close to sacking Carson Wentz. He had a couple good hits on him uh, on Sunday. And it just seemed to me when I'm watching the game and thinking, okay, Haradiba's getting cranked up. You can start seeing him getting that, that edge. He's getting the wrist and, and the, the arm underneath. And that's against a good left tackle, too. And then they would drop him back in coverage, and it just really made me shake my head. So um, I definitely think if you're listening to this live or if you're listening in podcast form, Lance knows what he's talking about. I trust his judgment. Expect more five-man pressures, but you're going to have to be creative. They're going to have to throw some unique blitzes. I, I think back to last year. I hate doing that, but it's pretty much the same group. Will Allen, the safety, had four sacks on the season, and that was a career high for him, and he was a safety. So if Dangerfield's back there, um, I don't know. But injuries, injuries are a big thing. It, it's something that we definitely need to talk about. And you brought up Ryan Chazier, and I have to say this. If I were a betting man and I had to bet my house on something, I'm going to bet my house that uh, they're not going to play him this week. I just don't think it's going to happen. Um, I'm plain and simple. I just think that you saw him get injured in week one. He came back, and then all of a sudden he gets injured again. That tells me his knee's not fully healed. He needs some time to actually rest. So let's let me run down this laundry list here for you, Lance, and so you can take a gander at or listen at who did not participate in practice today. Sean Davis with a back, Ramon Foster with a chest or elbow, whatever they want to call it. Uh, Robert Golden with a hamstring. Sam Quez Golson, well he should be on injured reserve, but he's not, so he's out with a foot. Uh, Eli Rogers, toe, that's a turf toe. He's not playing this week. Uh, Ryan Chazier, knee. Cody Wallace, knee. That's a big loss. We're going to talk about that in a second. Limited participation, Roosevelt next. And the good news out of the injury report is that Lawrence Timmons, who had that puncture wound on his shin, was a full participant. So you hear those, Lance. Are there any players that pop out to you, maybe that we haven't talked about so much, as this guy could be – if he doesn't play, it's going to be an issue. Is there anyone like that you hear on that list? Well, there's several. I mean, you know, you look at Shazier, you look at Golden, you look at Davis, um, and you look at Cody Wallace and, and Foster, or, or Foster and then Cody Wallace because Foster's out uh, because they're going to have to deal with uh, Poe inside for Kansas City, and Poe's a load. Uh, so, you know, it'd be nice if they had Ramon Foster as well. So, you know, they have some very critical guys. I mean, there's several guys on this injury list uh, that if they're not playing, you know, it could be significant. Luckily for them, Mike Mitchell doesn't seem as if he's hurt and he'll be able to play. Um, you know, it's going to be tough for them this week. I mean, the offense, I think, is going to have to carry him. But, again, Kansas City is not an overly explosive offense. It is an offense that you can tackle the catch against. And even with some of the things that I was saying about the Steelers and trying to get pressure, you know, I'm more of a slow death person, man. You know, kill me slow. <laughs> you know, because you, although they have a really good offense, you can't be overly pressed, excuse me, aggressive and give up some big plays and get down. Uh, you know, because they will take a couple of shots, primarily to Macklin, although 
they're, they're not known for that. I mean, you give any team one-on-one coverages and the quarterback can identify it, you know, they're going to take their shots. They're going to try to go after it. So even though we're talking about the Steelers struggling with pressure, don't be surprised if it still looks like it did the first couple of games. They still want to keep stuff in front of them and tackle it and force field goals because I think they believe their offense can win games for them and carry them until things get better. Yeah, and it's, speaking of the offensive side, you look at the injury report, and you cannot understate the value of Cody Wallace to your team. Uh, Cody Wallace not only has experience as a starter at center and guard, he is that quality interior lineman that is, if Pouncey or one of the guards goes down, like Ramon Foster has, he can step in and at least get you through until that player is able to return. Now, with him out, and this is a hyper-extended knee that I want to say happened in week two of the preseason, possibly. He is looking at missing a game, and B.J. Finney, who played in Ramon Foster Stead in, in Philadelphia, you wonder what the drop-off is there. Now you're going from second string to third string. That's a big deal. Eli Rogers with the turf toe. He didn't have a, a phenomenal game, that, but then again, no one did. But it's a guy that Roethlisberger likes. He runs good routes. You wonder how long he's going to be out, and the big question is Marcus Wheaton, because if Marcus Wheaton can come back and be the player that we all thought that he was, the guy that, you know, doesn't drop three footballs uh, in a game, then I think it'll kind of ease that loss of Rodgers. But nonetheless, it's going to be interesting. Um, The injuries are are mounting, and it's not good, hopefully. Uh, Some of these injuries are able to be cleared up rather quickly. I think that it's important to realize, though, and I just knocked on wood for all those superstitious out there, it is nice to know that none of these injuries are season-ending injuries. They're injuries that are, they should be able to come back from, and it's only week four. So keep that in mind. So it doesn't look good right now, my dear little bleak, but eventually the plan is, hopefully, I would say, that will get all these players back. So um, that's the injury news for this week as the Steelers go to uh, week four. Let's talk about this matchup a little bit, Lance. Uh, looking at the Kansas City Chiefs injury report quickly, um, Tom Mahali with a knee and a hand, Marcus Peters who has the flu, uh, Ja Reed, a knee, Charkandrick West, ankle, all did not participate in the first day of practice. Take that with a grain of salt. It's only Wednesday. Uh, limited participation, Jamal Charles returned to practice with it coming back from his knee, uh, and a couple other players that, don't carry the same amount of significance. Although Philip Gaines, that's a cornerback. We're going to talk about him a little bit, I think. Uh, limited participation with a knee injury as well. Uh, go ahead and talk about some defensive keys here for the Steelers going up against that West Coast offense. Um, a lot of fans are saying what you said earlier. It's going to be the same old time and dance from week three. Are they going to be able to make the changes necessary to, to win these matchups? What are the keys? For them is that the offense is very similar. We all know the connection between Peterson and Andy Reid. So from a schematic standpoint, they're very familiar with Kansas City, and they played Kansas City last year, and they played Kansas City several times over the last few years. So they know Alex Smith. You know, they know Kansas City well. And most Steelers fans might be saying, well, that's a bad thing. They know the Steelers well, too. And it could very well be a bad thing right now. But, again, you know, it's sort of the same things I said last week. And it's really about tackling the catch against this offense. This, although it's surprising Kansas City has given up, I think, eight to nine sacks 
uh, you know, the Jets got after them, but they really got after the Jets as well. But the Jets are outstanding up front with the level of talent on their defensive line. Maybe the Steelers can get a little bit healthy from a pressure perspective, but more than that, this is still really a tackle to catch game. One stat really jumps out to me when you look at their passing game and you look at their offense. And the NFL does a fantastic job of tabulating these statistics here. And one statistic is called the average pass length in the air. So that's like when you throw it, the average length of pass in the air, like it stated. For the Kansas City Chiefs, it's 7.03 yards. That's 30th in the National Football League. And the average pass length for completion is 4.63 yards for completion. So their completions are under a five-yard average. Now, in terms of the average yards after the catch on those completions for Kansas City, it's at 5.3 yards, which is 10th. And so, in terms of yards per completion total, it's ten. It's about ten yards. So almost half of the yards associated with Kansas City's completions come from yards after the catch. What that tells you is, you have to tackle the catch. If you tackle Lance, the yeah. catch, oh, kind of like you might have lost Lance here. Oh, you're breaking up a little bit, Lance. Let me say that again. All right, let's see. It's all about Go ahead. It's all about tackling the catch. I mean, when you have an offense where a ball is traveling four and a half yards for an average for a completion and you know, you're averaging, you know, ten yards per all your yards are coming from yards after the catch. So that means you have to tackle the catch. If they can tackle the catch, they will do a very good job of putting an offense that's given up nine sacks on the year in some third and mid and some third and long situations where Butler can be creative and the Steelers can get out to the quarterback. The other thing that I thought stood out was they ran the ball very well. And Spencer Ware is a dynamic player, and the Steelers had some struggles against the Chiefs last year in the running game. I believe they gave up about a buck twenty last year to the starting running back, uh, who was actually a replacement. Uh, I think it's Char Kendrick West, I believe it was. Correct me if I'm wrong, Jeff. Yeah. Um, no, you're right. They gave up about one twenty last year on the ground in that game, so they're gonna have to really shore that up because when your average yards traveled in the air on a completion is four point six yards, you can see that if they can run the ball pretty well it really sets them up to do what they want to do, complete short passes and get yards after the catch, really control the tempo of the game, and slowly matriculate the ball downfield. But when you look at this offense, the guys that really stand out, you know, it, it, it's Kelsey. You know, Kelsey is an elite player, and some of the numbers when you look at Kelsey are just outstanding. I mean, he's been targeted 21 times this year, and he had 17 receptions. His catch rate or catch percentage is 81%. He's averaging 12 yards a catch. So, you know, that's fantastic. And, and that's where you get the Shazier and the Golden problem. And they love to hit him in the red zone. They love him on scenes, and they love him on drags. The other guy is Macklin. And 
the one highlight of this defense this year has been the play of Ross Cockrell. Cockrell's played very well, and I think Cockrell's going to do a very good job on Macklin. So I'm not as worried about Macklin as I am with Kelsey, particularly with the injuries that the Steelers have. Now, in terms of pressure, I mean, they're, they're struggling with pressure. I don't think they're going to get home. I think the design of the offense limits that anyway. So I think they're going to struggle in that regard. I just hope they increase the number of five-man pressures in the game and really try to bring some blitzes and, and from some different levels of their defense. But I think it's going to look a lot like last week, particularly if they don't tackle the catch. If they tackle well, they're going to play a really good defensive game and they're going to win the game. But I think it's all about tackling, pursuit angles, wrapping up, and limiting yards after the catch. Yeah, I mean, that was blatantly obvious when you watched the game in week three. And ultimately, the, the Eagles did what most teams talk about when they're about to face a high-powered offense, and that is that the best defense was to keep the offense off the field. And in time of possession last week, the Steelers were dominated almost in a 10-minute margin. The Philadelphia Eagles had the ball for 34-56, the Steelers for 25-04. You can just remember those, those drives. It just seemed like they lasted forever, and there were penalties involved. There were obviously uh, missed tackles, as you mentioned, but they averaged seven yards per play. Uh, that, that's, that's bad. That's bad on a lot of different levels. Third downs weren't the best for the Steelers defensively. They've got to get them off the field. They've got to get those extra possessions for the offense because as has been proven so far this season, the the Steelers' offense is not perfect. They sometimes get off to slow starts, to be completely factual. They've gotten off to a slow start every single game this year. So um, it'll be interesting. Uh, My question for you, though, Lance, is where the hell's the rhyme? You just gave us your keys and there was no rhyme. What's up with that? Uh, you know, maybe I think the Eagles beat it out of me. I mean, I, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll give you a rhyme off the top of my head. If you want to get the three and one, let's keep it brief. All they got to do is just tackle the team. There you go. Ah, ah. Yeah. You like that? You like that? You like I that? Do. That's interesting. I do. That was let good. Go, let me go to let me go to a point that you just said, Jeff, about the slow starts. And I've always wondered, is that Haley or is that Ben? And I don't want to get into that whole soap opera drama, but to me, it, it would make me think that it's probably it's probably a lot of Haley. Because to come out of the game, you know, you're coming out not necessarily scripted, but when you come out in the first quarter, especially early, I mean, that's the stuff that you've been working on. That That's your game plan. That's what you see on film is what you can exploit against a defense or an off, whatever. I mean, that, that's kind of what you've been working on. And as the game kind of presents itself, you know, especially when you have a veteran like Ben, he can adjust some things, some things can change. But, you know, what you worked on is, is, is what you brought is what you're bringing to the field. And, you know, but in defense of him, you know, Wheaton's drop was bad. So if Wheaton doesn't drop it, then, you know, it's seven to nothing, and I'm not asking you questions. 
Yeah, I think that it depends on when you're talking about the start. The the first drive, the first ten plays of the game are, like you said, always scripted, um, and that's something that Roethlisberger and Haley sit down and they put that together together. Um, but then after that, it depends on what the offense is going to be doing. So you saw in Philadelphia they went to a lot of no huddle. Well, in that aspect, I think that's on Roethlisberger because he's the one typically that has the decision of changing the play at the line of scrimmage or going with the play call that's been in his, that's been uh, sent in through his helmet. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they do in terms of the no huddle here in week four. But the slow starts are an issue, and I don't know. I think that there's blame to go to both players. Uh, I'm sorry, not both players, but Roethlisberger as a player and Haley as a coach. But I think that, to me, more – more of the slow start has not been play calling. I, I haven't, I haven't had a big, a bigger gripe with play calling this year as I have in past years. Um, there's been some some route trees that I haven't liked. Uh, there was one in, in the week three game where he Roethlisberger threw it to Eli Rogers. I think it was a third or fourth and maybe four or five yards, and he ran like a, a two yard dig route, and the, it, it was an out, and he you know, that's not even going to get to the sticks. You're looking for yards after catch. You got to get that route. You got to get that route to the sticks. So that when you catch it, you've already made the play. I don't understand some of that stuff and what they're thinking. But nonetheless, the offense has been, in my opinion, very underwhelming this entire year. And that's after putting up 30 plus in, in Washington. It's after putting up 24 in Cincinnati. In my opinion, this offense was exposed last week. Uh, the offensive line, it, it's a reality check. I, I said this on, the, on our Steelers hangover show on Monday night. I said every single player on that team, especially in my opinion, the offense had a big slice of humble pie after that game. So David DeCastro gets his big money. He's the Pro Bowl guy last year. And he was looked like a fool on basically national television. Ben Roethlisberger, you know, everyone's saying you're elite. You're in that top tier, that top echelon of quarterbacks now. You looked like garbage the other day. I mean, those, some of those throws that he made were just so bad. The biggest one that sticks out in my head is the third down pass that Jesse James is wearing a billboard saying I'm open, and he throws it a good five yards over his head. That's a throw that Roethlisberger almost always makes, and he did not make it. Um, it, it was a combined cluster F, and I'm not going to say the actual word on the air, but you know what I'm saying. It was a combined cluster F on the football field for the offense. And so let's go into the keys of what I think the Steelers' offense needs to do. And it's not going to be complex. It's not going to be you got to do this, you got to do that. And, and in my opinion, everyone's talking about the chance that D'Angelo Williams and Le'Veon Bell be on the field together. The only time, in my opinion, that they'll be on the field together is if Le'Veon Bell is moved out into the slot and D'Angelo Williams is the sidecar on the shotgun or he's the lone setback in the backfield. And people want to do that, that's fine. But it all stems back to what Le'Veon Bell brings to the team. And if you remember, back in 2014, Lance, when we did this show, you would always make fun of me because I love me some Le'Veon Bell. And I still do, despite the injuries, despite the suspensions. I drink that guy's Kool-Aid all the time because he is that good, in my opinion. This guy is going to – you're going to see, and I'm glad that Tomlin finally admitted to it in the press conference, how much he's going to play. He goes, you're going to see him run. You're going to see Le'Veon Bell a lot. At least he's being honest because everyone always thought he's going to ease him back. No, he's not. Le'Veon Bell is, is Mike Tomlin's boy. 
he's the one, Domina, I have a feeling that he's the one that took his neck out for this kid when they drafted him in the second round, and he's proven him right. So he's going to ride, ride him until the wheels fall off, as he said with Willie Parker. And so I think with Bell, his running is, is, is his running. He's a great runner. He has great vision, great patience. I think it's going to work well with the offensive line. They, they seem to have a knack for knowing where he's going to be and where he's going to go. Um, it's his play as a receiver, though. Think back to 2014, and for a lot of people, that they're so short-sighted they forget this. It was when when Le'Veon Bell was at his best, and that was when he almost had 2,000 yards receiving and 2,000. Or, I'm sorry, he almost had 2,000. He had over 2,000 combined yards. He almost had 1,000 receiving and about over 1,300 rushing. It was pretty amazing how he was the safety valve. He was the guy that when things broke down, Ben would just dump it to him. And he'd at least get back to the line of scrimmage or maybe even turn it into a big game. And it was pretty in, in, incredible when you look back and watch some of those games, which I did recently, what he's capable when he's healthy. Is he 100% healthy? I think so. But listen to this stat, Lance. I think you'll like that you're a stats guy, a numbers guy. Uh, one of our writers, uh, he goes by the name Fear94 on our website. Listen to the statistics and what Le'Veon Bell means to the Steelers, but more importantly, Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, in ben, in games where Le'Veon Bell is not in the lineup, and that's been 20 games since he's been drafted, Ben Roethlisberger has thrown 33 touchdowns and 25 interceptions, okay? So there's 20 games that Le'Veon Bell has not been in the lineup, 35 touchdowns and 25 interceptions. When Ben Roethlisberger has Le'Veon Bell in the lineup, that's for 29 games, he's thrown 56 touchdowns and 20 interceptions. So the touchdowns skyrocket, the interceptions go down by five, and it's because he is a mismatch nightmare. That doesn't mean that all those touchdowns are going to him, but it's the defense now all of a sudden has to say, okay, Le'Veon Bell, we can't just – D'Angelo Williams, he goes down to the back, out of the backfield of the receiver. He's not going to draw the attention that Le'Veon Bell does. You want to put a linebacker on Le'Veon Bell in the slot, you're going to get burned big time, big time. And so if, if I mean, he yeah, has mean, that connection – Go ahead. I mean, when you look at it, I mean, also, you know, with Le'Veon's ability to run a football, I mean, you're going to get defined looks. I mean, you're going to get single high safety a majority of the time. I mean, because, you know, put seven in the box at your peril against the Steelers with Le'Veon, and they start running that counter play, and he's gouging. You know, so, you know, you're going to get a single high safety. And when you get a single high safety consistently, you know, you know what does that mean? That means AB and all the other receivers have a ton of space to work. And you know, and also, you know, like we talked about it last year, Le'Veon Bell is you know that second layer of pass protection. Dump it to Le'Veon, let him get you seven, and keep the offense on schedule. So. You know, he, yeah. He's the man, and and, and, and and that office is going to get a boost when he's back. Uh, you know, just just imagine, you know, part of that stat includes Le'Veon and Martavis Bryant. So, you know, you, you add dynamic ball players like that, it makes it a lot easier. And the one thing I thought that showed up in the Philadelphia game is Ben lost trust in his other weapons. And that's why you saw him just targeting Antonio repeatedly. I think Antonio had 18 targets in the game out of 44 pass attempts. So, uh, you know, that just shows you that, 
you know, Ben needs the guys back that he trusts. And adding a Le'Veon Bell is an awesome thing. Absolutely. And, and the thing is with, with Bell, too, and if you go back, and I don't recommend it unless you're – if you really are a glutton for punishment. If you watch the Eagles game again, you'll see those moments where the pocket is collapsing – Roethlisberger doesn't have anyone downfield, and this is the exact moment when he would just look out to his right or just look out to his left. He would see maybe on Bell standing there. He knew exactly when to release, and he would just give it to him. And like you said, four, five, six, sometimes a big play. Sometimes I remember those little dink and dunk passes going for 40-plus because everyone else is back in coverage or rushing the quarterback, and next you know that goes for a big gain. I am really excited to see Le'Veon Bell back on the football field. I hope he's healthy. I hope he stays healthy. I hope he proves that the Steelers need to pay him next year, even if it's just as a one-year franchise tag, and we're going to talk about that at that time. But I'm excited for Le'Veon Bell. He brings that new dynamic. And ultimately, I think this, this, uh, the only other offensive key that I have for the Steelers is they need to stay balanced. I've said it every single week, and I don't say it because I like to hear myself say it. I say it because it's the truth. They have great Antonio Brown's great. Uh, Sammy Coates is proven to be a great deep threat for the team, but they need to run the football. Ben Roethlisberger said it himself um, after the game as well as this week when he was being interviewed by the media, and that is, I think we abandoned the run too early. Um, I'm sorry, but, you know, D'Angelo Williams, I don't even look at how many rushes they had, the Steelers. I'm trying to find that number for you. Um, It just wasn't enough. It just was not enough. They didn't run the ball enough. They didn't stick with the run. At one point, Roethlisberger's seven-yard scramble was their longest run from scrimmage, and we're talking in the second half. To stay balanced and get ready for Le'Veon Bell because I think this could be a game where the Steelers' offense is going to have to win it. The Steelers' offense is going to be able to say, you know what, get on our backs. We've got you. We let you down last week. It's not going to happen again. We're going to get back to 30. We're going to hang it on these guys on Sunday Night Football at Heinz Field. We got you, Roethlisberger, Bell, or ben, ben, Bell, and Brown, all three Bs are back at it. I know we're missing Bryant. I don't want to get pissed off about that because that would be make that would make this offense ridiculous. But that's another se- session altogether. Um, that's my keys. What would you add? Anything, Lance, to that offensive game plan? No, only thing I'd add is you know just don't turn the ball over. You know, don't turn the ball over. Be yeah. patient, and, and definitely stick with the running game. Uh, but, but definitely don't turn the ball over. Try to play as clean a game as possible on the offensive side. Absolutely. So it's time to give our predictions. Uh, I, I I think that, you know, we both got burned last week in Philadelphia, and it's going to be interesting. I'm very interested to see who you're going to pick. Um, Lance, go ahead and give us your prediction for the Sunday night football game. Unfortunately, Steelers fans, I'm picking the chef. I think the uh, Chefs come into Hines, get the win 28-24. Uh, the Steelers are really broken up on the defensive side of football, and I just don't like their ability to get pressure right now. Uh, I, I, you know, I still have a lot of faith in this football team. I think it's a good football team, but I think what Philadelphia showed is that, you know, they're still very much a work in progress, and I think that work continues this week unfortunately, and a loss for the Steelers, 28-24. I'm glad that you're back there, Mr. Negative, because it's been weird having you pick the Steelers uh, the first uh, three weeks. 
So I'm glad that you're back. I, I'm going to stick with my normal stick, but I think that Le'Veon Bell's return is going to mean a world of difference for the offense. And like I just said, this is a game where the offense is going to pick up the defense. We know you're banged up. We're going to get you through this one. I think they're going to win a game that's going to be along the lines. I'm going to say Steelers 29. I think they're going to go for their first two-point conversion possibly in this Sunday night game. 29-24, to 24, Pittsburgh wins. They go to 3-1 and one as they host the New York Jets in Week 5. I hope I'm right. I can definitely see this game going the other way. Um, there's a lot of up-in-the-air stuff here in terms of uh, strengths and weaknesses of teams, injuries on both sides. It's going to be interesting to see how this game plays out. So there you have it, folks. Lance takes the, the Chiefs to win. I take the Steelers to win. We'll see who gets bragging rights next week. Now, Lance, I always give you the soapbox at the end of the show to go ahead and talk to our listeners, to Steeler Nation out there. What do you have to say for everyone out there that's just waiting to hear your words of wisdom? No team. 3-0 and doesn't get you a Super Bowl. Neither does 2-1. and It's a long season. This is a young football team. There's a lot of football to go. Do not jump off the grand ragged and jump off the bridge just yet. This is still going to be a very good football team. I agree, especially if they can get some of these players back, some of these injured players. You're talking about Ladarius Green. You're talking about Senquez Golson. You're talking about Bud Dupree, not to mention the banged-up players entering this week. There is a lot of football left to be played. Keep that in mind. I do want to take a time, it's a quick minute, to just say that we have some callers that are actually on hold right now. Um, during the season, we're not going to take callers on the standard is a standard. If you'd like to call in and be a part of the show, that show is the Steelers' hangover, which is the day after the game. So that will be Monday night. We will have myself and Brian Anthony Davis answering your calls. It's what it's all about. Call in then, same number, same station, you know it call in, but uh, obviously check behind the steel curtain.com coming up as the game approaches. Make sure you follow our show on iTunes. Okay. You go to iTunes, just type in the standard is the standard in your search engine. You can subscribe. You're going to get all of our great shows, factor fiction, the Steelers hangover, the standard is the standard, the black and gold NFL recap and steel city underground work. It's a lot of stuff and it's all for you to listen. It's at your fingertips, all Steelers all the time. Check it out. Lance is always, Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Jeff Harbin from BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. We'll see you next week on The Standard is the Standard. Bye. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.